Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalogue of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello and welcome to today's show. As always, I've lined up a brilliant guest for you. Who are you going to get to know in a wonderful way? He's not just going to share his wisdom, his expertise with us, but we also meet him from a very human perspective as a person, as a dad, as a son, because we talk about two key things today. The one is how to navigate successfully through a family business when you in particular change the family business, perhaps even buy it or sell parts of it. How do you do that? How can you come out of the situation stronger than ever before? How can you use it as an opportunity to actually learn, to grow, and not just you, but also take your parents with you onto this journey. And they actually take you with them as well in terms of helping you to see certain matters from a different perspective and for you to grow, to learn, and to develop yourselves. We are also going to talk about succession planning, such an important topic. And if you find yourself in a situation as I found myself in the past while I was still working in corporate organizations, then you may have experienced a situation that you are trying to support other leaders to help them understand how important succession planning is and that you can never start early enough. And I absolutely loved it when there were people who literally tried to get to my position, where people were eager, ambitious, and learned a lot so that they could literally step into that role rather sooner than later. And focusing on the people, on their growth, learning with and from them is vital. So Stephen brings his perspective to succession planning from a more family business orientated perspective. However, you can apply his process, his five Ps to any organization. And it is a vital topic to talk about because you will at some point need a successor as to whether you move on uh, on the a corporate career ladder, as to whether you plan to step out of the family business and hand the reins over, basically. There are so many reasons why it is important to have people lined up who can step in and that with a lot of openness. And that is definitely easier said than done. So let me introduce to you Stephen a little bit more. So Stephen grew up in two family businesses, as well as starting a few of his own. 
Having bought both family businesses from his parents and growing them internationally, Stephen learned a lot about successful succession planning, as well as making some mistakes along the way. And Stephen is certainly going to share some of those mistakes and the learnings from it with us here today. He's the former global chair of the Global Student Entrepreneur Awards, which supports young emerging entrepreneurs in over 50 countries around the world, which was the basis for the Disney Plus and National Geographic documentary Own the Room. He was the founding member and is the current president of the Irish chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. And he is a succession planning coach, a strategy facilitator, team development coach, leadership coach, and personality profiler. So we get a lot of talent, a lot of insights, a lot of expertise into this conversation today. His purpose is truly to help people aspire to a better future and empower them to get there. Isn't that beautiful? Who doesn't want to have an amazing future and want to take this future into their own hands? And on a very personal level, Stephen and his Spanish wife have two bilingual daughters and try to spend as much holiday time in Spain as possible. He is living the life. He's a beautiful soul, a great person to talk to, and as I said, a real talent in his own field. So do enjoy this conversation as much as I have enjoyed recording it. And I speak to you again in a couple of seconds. So a huge, huge welcome to you, Stephen Short, with two T's. Hello. Hi, how are you? I am very, very well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Uh, as uh, as I said, just the sun is shining here in Dublin, so all is right in the world. Well, <laughs> all is not right in the world. We're still in the middle of the lockdowns, but um, the sun is shining and Dublin, when the sun is shining, is a beautiful place to be. Uh, I'd even say it's a beautiful place to be when the sun is not shining and when there's loads of snow. It's, it's just I- gorgeous. And I didn't even have to pay you to say that. That was amazing. Brilliant. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see. (laughs) It's indeed really great to have you on the show. And I said to you in our initial conversation that the topic you talk about in your keynotes, for example, really, really intrigued me. One of the topics is family business and how to run a successful family business, but that combined with succession. And I shared with you a little bit my uh, my background coming from a more corporate background and having supported leaders within that corporate background where I received quite a bit of pushback in terms of succession. Why do we even need to talk about that? We will hire someone when the time comes. And oh, I was like, no, 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 no. We'll hire somebody when it's too late. But yeah. that's, that's a different conversation. Yeah. But you have spent all your life basically in the middle of family businesses, haven't you? Yeah, so my background is all family-based. I, I, I have a little bit of experience in working with corporates as an external consultant, but really mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have any experience being in the corporate world. Uh, I've grown up in two different family businesses. Uh, I bought both family businesses and I sold one. Uh, sold one, which was reliant 100% on international travel. Sold that just before the pandemic. So. Friends and former competitors have called me everything from an evil genius to stuff that is far less complimentary um, when when the entire industry is being unfortunately rocked at the moment. But no, my background is is all family based, uh, and that's why my my keynote and and the book I'm toying with writing uh, is called "Build a Killer Family Business Without Killing Your Family" because it it sometimes can come very very close to that. Yeah. 
Oh, goodness me. I mean, I am not a member of a family business and I have those emotions from time to time. So uh, curious. I'm very curious. Tell us a little bit more about your journey, because you just mentioned very briefly, well, two family businesses, one I have sold. Tell us about this path that led you to making those decisions. Sure. So when I was growing up, I always knew, like entrepreneur wasn't really a, a popular word when I was growing up. It was just, you were a business person or a business something. But I always liked the idea of an entrepreneur. I always liked the word entrepreneur because... I, I knew that the corporate thing was not, I was not going to be a fit for corporate stuff. I, I don't have the genes. I don't have the, the makeup to do well in a corporate structure. Uh, so I always knew I was going to be working in family business or working for myself or doing something like that. Then the, f the first business that my parents started was the current business that we have. That's the oldest business, which is all about career guidance, interview skills, selection. And we are distributors for a number of psychometric assessments for different publishers here in Ireland. Uh, then the other business is, was an English language school. It still is an English language school here in Dublin, where we teach or we taught English to international students. And over the 30 years that we were involved in that, we grew it to become one of the top five schools in the country. And I would argue always that if you were to ask any of our competitors to name the best five schools in the country, they would obviously name theirs. Otherwise, they're really shit at marketing. Or uh, they would name theirs and we would be uh, one of the other four that they name 99% yeah. uh, of the time. Uh, so we built it to be uh, uh, very reputable, uh, high quality. But when I lived in Spain, my wife is Spanish. We lived in Spain for a year when our kids were preteens. I, I really decided that I had kind of done everything that I could do in that industry and everything I wanted to do in that industry. The next step to grow that business was to then start opening different centers around the world and then having everything in a very uniform, very standardized process, which again, is not how I'm built. So I said, right, the best thing is for me to, to have my team join somebody else who is actually looking to build that empire and for me to go and do something else. And that's when I bought the other business off my parents. So I bought the language school 10 years ago, 10, mm -hmm. 11 years ago. And then I bought the, the career guidance business uh, after I'd gotten involved a little bit more, done a little bit more training on personality profiling and coaching and mentorship and things like that. And now that's where I'm spending all of my time and really enjoying that element of the business. So what is your DNA? So when I do personality profiling, uh, when, when we use Hogan, which is the one of the assessments that we distribute, it is the entrepreneur, like the, the profile is the entrepreneur kind of setting stuff up. Uh, if you were to talk about EOS, I would be considered the visionary mm -hmm. um, in StrengthsFinder. It's uh, always futuristic, strategic, woo, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm creative. I like coming up with ideas. I like presenting, I like meeting people, I like getting my energy from, from talking to people, um, groups of people, in front of groups of people, in small groups, anything so long as there are people involved. But my downside is so I'm quite creative, coming up with ideas, coming up with new, new processes, and I'm great at coming up with the processes, I'm not so good at following through with the processes, and I'm not that good at the, the detail and uh, any of the process-oriented stuff. So if we take the, the six leadership styles, uh, results, thought, process, data, social, and people, I'm a people, thought, and middle, middle results leader. I'm really bad at the process. I'm really bad at the data. And 
that's who I am. You sound like me. It's like well, I'm, I mean, I'm your German version. Uh, I, well, it's funny whenever because I'm 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 a big guy with a beard and blondish hair, and I have <laughs> uh, a lot of people think I have a bit of a German look about me. And whenever I used to travel on Lufthansa, I'd be walking in with all <laughs> the pasty Irish-skinned people from the Dublin to to Frankfurt early morning flight. And it would always be uh, good morning, good morning, ah, guten Tag. As soon as I walk in, just assuming I'm German. So I'm absolutely loving this. But you mentioned obviously we we built that business or those businesses. Who is we? Well, I mean, my parents started both of these companies. Uh, they started the language, the the career guidance, the interview company in '82, and they started the language school in eight, 1989. So I was four and 11 or something like that. So, I mean, I had very little to do with the foundation of the business other than I was around to make brochures and to paint office doors and things like that. <laughs> or, I mean, I'm using air quotes. If people can't see me, I painted office doors and then I made a mess and then my mother had to come back in and fix all of the vertical lines or whatever. But so I've grown up doing like everything, like the from the hoovering to the polishing of the, the plaque on the front door to helping to paint walls to, in the language school, airport transfers at three o'clock in the morning, going on marketing trips. I mean, I've gone to Japan for two days. Uh, I've flown to Japan, arrived on a Friday night, done a workshop on a Saturday, Sunday, and then flown back on a Sunday night to Dublin. So, I mean, I've wow. done all of these like crazy red-eye flights, understanding every facet of the business, understanding even the bits that I'm not good at, I need to understand them, but uh, I've grown up doing it all uh, and coming in as, as uh, a low as possible position. I've gone off and done some other stuff in other places to to get a little bit of external uh, training. Uh, I've done some formal external training. And so we are still working together. My parents are in their late 70s now, officially retired, unofficially. They're still working. They're still enjoying doing the bits that they do. And, and still that, working very hard, still working 40 hours a week and more because uh -huh. they enjoy it. They have the passion for it. But but that's for me here where there, there's absolute gold. And I would like to talk about this more. Because you just mentioned the effort, the energy, the passion your parents put into building those businesses. You also mentioned one of the businesses you sold at some point. And mm -hmm. now your parents are still involved. They are still working beyond the 48 hours because they just enjoy it. That has been a mm -hmm. journey, I assume, and it hasn't just been glorious. So in particular, oh, no, when, you yeah, when you decided to, to sell one of the businesses, talk us a little bit through what the challenges were there, in particular, as you are a family and mm -hmm. you kind of were all involved in it. I think we need to go back just a little bit further, which is when this whole thing of succession planning and the build a killer family business became so vitally important to me about uh, 11, 11 years ago. Uh, so I think my youngest, I mean, my wife was pregnant with my youngest. So about 11 years ago, um, I remember coming back. It was a miserable day, gray, wet, cold. I mean, I live in Dublin. There's a lot of days like that, but. I remember coming back and I had been arguing with my folks and f fighting is a, probably a strong word, but really arguing and disagreeing on the courses we should be offering, the courses we should be cutting, the technology we should be doing, the marketing and the, the, st the strategy going forward of the business. And I slumped down at my kitchen table. Um, my wife was in the kitchen with my eldest daughter and she was pregnant. And I remember saying completely 
emotionally and mentally and physically drained and going, I have to leave the family business. Because if I don't, my parents will never see their grandkids again because we won't be able to be in the same room as each other because we'll fucking hate each other. And my entire body viscerally reacted to that. And I knew that that was the last thing I wanted. It was not what I grew up doing. It's not what I, I wanted going forward. And it was definitely not something that I wanted to be showing my kids that we're going to have an argument and not get past it. Mm-hmm. I'm not the first person, surely, in the history of the world to have a problem in a family business. So that's when I started researching. I started talking to people. I started uh, reaching out to mentors. I started reaching out to people that I w- had researched and said, OK, well, you've done this or you haven't done this. What happened? And I came up with the five P's of succession, whether you're in any business and how it works. And now, fast forward, I've bought both companies, sold one company. I'll talk about that conversation, convincing your parents to sell their third child. But now we're currently in the process of renovating my parents' house. We've moved the office out, uh, the, the home office that was there. So we're going to be living together on different floors with interconnected two kitchens, two living rooms. But we're all going to be living together. So as well as being a multi-generational business, we're going to be, again, a multi-generational household. Um, and if yeah. I had thought that that was like 11 years ago when I was slumped down and going, I can't do this, mm. to think now we're willfully and gladly and really excitedly going to all be living together, it's so alien and so far apart. Because with all family businesses, more often than not, the kitchen table and the boardroom table is the same piece of furniture yeah. and you need to be able to sit down at both of them. So that's <laughs> that's the journey a little bit. Um, the selling the business, that was that was another conversation which needed, which, which happened over, I'd say about, it took about six months of data, of backing up data, of being able to show the vision of where the industry was going, what was happening in this part of the market, what was happening in this part of the market, seeing that that was actually starting to come to fruition to say, look, we need to look further down the line. And to be as well, um, from from a succession planning point of view, uh, and in in my research and my experience, the best practice is the current generation should have about a three to five year vision of the business if they're looking to step out. But the next generation has to have a much longer vision. And if the next generation is seeing that problem in the next within that long vision, there needs to be a change. They need to pivot. They need to try new things or do something else. So in order to get you to the point where you said, I need to get out of this family business years and years ago, what what happened there? Why did you initially want to get out of it? Because we, we couldn't decide on stuff. We were arguing over the way that the business should be run. I was feeling... They're not listening to me. They're not listening. I, I can see what's coming down the track. I can see the industry in a way that they can't. I can see the potential. I can see the pitfalls that using technology or how social media is changing this or how digital is going to come into the classroom, interactive whiteboards, all this kind of stuff. And what kinds of courses people are going to be looking for in five years time, as opposed to what they've been looking for for the last 10 years and how things are changing and the mindsets that needed to kind of shift from parent child to co-workers from mentor to heroes to all this kind of stuff to to figure out a way of being able to have those conversations for them to see my point of view but also importantly as well for me to see their point of view and not be this cocky arrogant kid who goes i know it all you're just old and stupid and to understand the legacy that i was actually kicking about the place at the moment Mm. so i I love that you were actually listening to 
the, the message your body basically shared with you, where you literally felt, mm. no, actually, this is not what I want. I, I'm pretty sure, understandably, loads of people would be out there to say, no, 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 I'm going to go for it. That's my decision now. It feels easier. But actually mm -hmm. to say in that moment, stop here. There, there is something else going on. And to identify what it is, I think that's pretty cool, pretty brave to do that as well. Because it means you have to face challenges and figure out a way to overcome those. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I would have just spent my whole life regretting it if I had done it any other way. To be mm. honest, uh, mm. when I look back at it now and think, I mean, I, I'm not going to say, OK, I made that decision at that kitchen table and the next day everything was rosy and everything mm. was amazing. Like it took a process of having conversations, of uh, of being able to to go to neutral territories, to be able to go out for dinners, to go to rugby matches with my father, to be able to go on trips and not talk about work. But then when we were we had a specific meeting, maybe not in their office, but in a neutral third place. Uh, so there wasn't the power dynamics at the time. Mm -hmm. Now it's much more we can have because we've built up that rhythm and we've built up that rapport. Like I can go down and sit in his office and give out to him about something or I can talk to my mother about something else and uh, and it works very well. But that, it, it, it took time. So would you mind being a bit more specific? And my parents are awesome people. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not saying that they were um, bad people or that we had mm. a bad relationship. It was just when you get into that uh, those habit loops, it can be really tough to get out of. Yeah. And um, I remember very well, I said, I haven't been in a family business, but my family has been in a family business. And goodness me, it started with my great grandparents and then it was passed on. And there were just arguments, so many arguments that my mom doesn't talk to her siblings anymore and vice versa. Mm. It was just constantly something. And it left a really kind of negative legacy. You yep. are avoiding conversations about it and all of this. And I found that very tricky. And for me, that was basically just the moment when I watched it from the outside. And I'm like, I don't want to get involved in anything like that ever. Um, feel safer to stay out of it. And, and one of the things that I, another thing that I've noticed really with next generation members of the family even if there wasn't that amount of drama, and that is an unfortunate reality that there are some family businesses that dissolve because of people not being able to align with the purpose or agree on the pick or the, the different steps of the succession planning and people have different perspectives on things. But even if you don't have that drama, even if you're the first generation, if you're the, the founder of the business, kids of the founders often say, oh God, I, the, the last thing I want to do is join the family business. It sounds horrendous. Because when you're coming home as the founder of the business, it's the only place that you have to vent. You can't, uh, unless you're a member of something like EO or YPO or one of these places where you have a forum where you can actually have these conversations or you have a coach as amazing as you where you can talk about these things with somebody to help them to, to figure it out. If you're at home just venting, all your kids hear about your business is this supplier is an idiot, this employee just didn't do what they were supposed to do and this sale and this sale. And all they hear is negativity about your business. They don't hear anything about, this is an amazing journey. I get to do this, or I get to do something that I'm passionate about. And then when they're a teenager, usually they come in for a summer because they can't find work anywhere else. So they get a job with mom and dad in the business. And that's when they actually discover, actually, the stuff in here that I really like, the, the, this facet of it or this element of it that is really fun or that I, I get a real kick out of. So I would encourage family members and family business owners, if you're... Even if not, if you're 
trying to get your kids to join, but to actually share the positive parts of your journey as well as the negative parts to give them a, a much rounder view of what's going on in the business. And in our pre-conversation, we were talking about something um, similar where at some point the business leaders and owners have to make a decision in terms of who is going to be in charge when I'm not in charge mm -hmm. anymore. But you may not always find the right skills, personality, mm -hmm. will, motivation within your family. So yep. what, what options do family business owners have? What should they pay attention to when planning their succession? Well, if we look at uh, just very quickly, the five P's to, to go through the, the cycle of it. The first P, the first and most important thing with any succession planning, whether it's a corporate or a, a family business or anything like that, is what's the purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? Is it, if it's a, a department within an organization, what's the purpose of the department? Like, what are we trying to achieve? If it's a family business, what's the ultimate goal of the family business? What wrong in the world are we trying to right? Once we're clear on that, and the current generation and the next generation are aligned on that, slightly different views on how long that is going on, or how long they're going to be involved in that, then we have to figure out who's the pick. The second P is pick. Who's the right person to actually lead this department, this company, this organization towards that purpose? Mm -hmm. It might not be the same person for the next 30 years. We might say, look, we need a, we need a period of rapid growth now. So actually we need Mary to, to lead us through that growth because she's really results oriented and we'll push through. But once we get to a certain point, maybe Peter needs to take over because he's more uh, process driven and actually keep a steady track. So figuring out how the purpose is best suited and then picking the right people to make sure that that happens, whether those people are within the family business or not. Uh, you could go down the road of, uh, in Japan, uh, interestingly enough, I think 92 or 93% of people who are adopted in Japan are over the age of 25 because there are family businesses who want to remain family businesses, but they don't have the right person in their family. So they find no. a young executive who has potential and they literally adopt that person into the family. You can look this up. It's, it's yeah, uh, seriously documented. Wow. The majority of people who are adopted are executives to be adopted into family businesses. I don't think you necessarily need to go that far, but I think if we look at the world around us now, like family is becoming a different entity and having different makeups and things like that. So mm. family can be defined as whatever you want to define it as. But if you have people who are related by blood, related by marriage, related by whatever, if they're the right people to fit the purpose, then let's go with it. I was just about to say, I think that's probably the most interesting fact that I'm going to be receiving this week. You made a very good start here. Wow. Very good. I've never heard of that. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, please. So the, the, <laughs> the third P is prepare. Mm -hmm. So spending as long as we possibly can, but not too long. So anywhere from, look, there are family businesses that move from one generation to the next through a sudden unfortunate passing of the, of the founder yeah. and the next generation are just thrust in and go, right, well, you better stop working on that job. You have to take over the family farm or whatever it is. Mm. That's traumatic in, in, in many ways. Ideally, what I would recommend is if you're looking, if you're the current generation looking to, to have proper succession, you should be doing this over a maximum of five years. So from one to five years where you're handing over bit by bit, year by year, 
the responsibilities, the roles, but constantly coaching, mentoring and preparing that person to take over. Uh, so I was lucky enough to speak with uh, Rolf Trombins from Trivago. Uh, you might know Trivago. Yeah. So Rolf started the business, did a lot of the coding, worked with the, the his two co-founders. They built the business. The three of them built the business. Rolf became the, the CEO. Now, I've been in their, not their current office, but their old office, like an, an immense, massive, impressive team of people. But Rolf now, as he transitioned to being the chairman, he spent five years and as much one-to-one coaching with the new leadership team as he possibly could to be able to impart as much history as he could, as much mindsetting as he could, and as much information about how things have been done in the past. But ultimately, the future of the business is up to the new leaders. So he had to make sure that he was comfortable, that he had shared as much as he could possibly share without telling them how to run the business. Like they have an idea of the purpose of the business, but these people have been picked He's preparing them because his his line to me was, if you reach back across and reach back in, you're destined for failure because mm-hmm. you won't know all of the information. You won't know all of the nuances because you're not there day to day. So preparing the team and preparing your next generation is fundamentally important. Anywhere between two to five years is ideal. And I assume being very transparent about that is also important. So people know what it is you are trying to achieve together with them. Yep. So, uh, and, and being, yeah, this is, uh, so Junior here is, is going to be taken over. Um, so over the next couple of years, more and more of the stuff that you would normally have come to me with, I want you to come to her with, or she's going to be looking after this. She's going to be making the decisions because the fourth P is actually promote. So mm-hmm. once you've spent your time preparing the person, the fourth P is promote. And there's two definitions of promote. One is obviously to give them the job, the title that you are now the CEO or you're now the chief revenue, whatever, whatever title you're having in your business, you are now in charge. The second thing of promoters, you have to be the biggest cheerleader for that generation. Yeah. So even uh, you might have, and this happens a lot in, in family businesses where the current generation or the, the former generation, for example, people will just consult with you, even though this, the new boss has made a decision, but they're just going to consult with you because they've always dealt with you. It's very easy as the current generation to go, oh yeah, well actually let me, let me have a think about it and let me do that. No, you start doing that, you're undermining the next generation. So mm-hmm. you have to be clear, no, she's made the decision and I am 100%, I think it's absolutely the right decision. This is the way forward for the company. She is the future of the business. She is going to, to deal with this. You might disagree, but every single disagreement has to happen behind closed doors. You have to have private conversations and again, part of the coaching, but publicly you have to be the number one cheerleader for the next generation. So that's the two meanings of promote. And then the final one, the final P is patience, because whether you're in a family business or not, things are going to go sideways. Things are going to mess up. You're going to feel, oh, I should have done that or, oh, he or she didn't do the thing that I would normally have done. And this is why we're in this mess. We got to get over this. We got to whether you're signing up for mindfulness classes or yoga or Pilates or whatever it is that you want to do, there has to be a huge element of patience in this as well. So those are the five P's of succession planning. And then it all starts again because, so there's a mindset uh, and I'm, I'm probably, I'm getting way too deep into this uh, for, for a light and casual conversation. But if we take any hero's journey, any story really that has existed over the last 10,000 years has the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very 
repeatable story where we have the status quo, there's a call to action, and then the hero enters the special world, and this is where all the trials and tribulations and the transformation and everything happens. But before the hero enters the, spe the special world, in every story, there is a sage or a mentor or a trinket or a something, a gubbin that helps them to survive the special world. Yeah. My argument is that all of us as entrepreneurs, when we're running our own business, no matter if you're running a small boutique Etsy store or you're running a massive organization, as an entrepreneur, we are all on our own hero's journey. We're in the trials and tribulations and we're learning as we're going. What we need to do in a family business is to stop being the hero of our hero's journey and to start being the mentor of the next generation's hero's journey. So we need to come out of our own hero's journey and then act as the mentor to allow the next generation to go through that process and to come out the other side for them to be the mentor of the next generation beyond them and beyond them and beyond them. So from the first mindset that every current entrepreneur needs to have is to go from being the hero of your story to being the mentor of the next generation story. And there are three mindsets that you are there usually are talking about. Exactly. Yes. The reason that it's so important to go from hero to mentor is the second mindset is understanding that what got you here is not going to get them there. Mm -hmm. The world changes so dramatically, even within the space of a generation, a generation is anywhere from 20 to 30 years, depending on your definition. Uh, if you look at the global 500 list from 20 years ago and look at the global 500 list now, I can't remember the statistic, but I think it's something like only a third of the companies are still at the top 20. The rest have all been replaced. Yeah. So things changed so dramatically just in 20 years that what got you here is not going to get down there. The easiest example, I don't know if you remember Jambo, which was this website that so you could buy MIDI ringtones for your phone on. So you had the crazy frog and you had all these. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. You had all these ringtones. Yeah. That was a massive, massive business when I was in college. And people would have different ringtones for different people. And they'd buy like 20p or 20 cent or whatever. Um, and it was a huge business. My 14-year-old daughter has a smartphone. Not only does she have it on vibrate and, and silent all the time, if anybody actually has the audacity to ring her <laughs> instead of sending her a WhatsApp or an Instagram message, it's like, ugh, what did they want? <laughs> so that entire industry from when we were on mobile phones to when they're on mobile phones is completely gone. So what got you here is not going to get them there. And the next generation are the ones that are going to be living in that world and understanding the nuance of that world as much as we all want to be uh, innovative and driving stuff forward, it's the next generation that are going to be able to do that easier. So what got us here is not going to get them there. The third mindset is for a mix of the two. It's actually about internal and external development. So the next generation has to get uh, as much internal development within the company and in the family business and external development. So whether that's professional training where they've gone and done a, a master's in something or they're getting... Uh, specialized coaching or they're getting trained in something specific about the industry or they're getting their experience working elsewhere so there are a number of big companies in ireland who would say okay if you want to join the family business you can join the family business but you have to have done at least five years in another similar organization and then you can come across at the same level you don't get to leave college with an instagram account and then you suddenly become our chief marketing officer because you understand Instagram. It doesn't work like that. You've got to either come in at a low level and work your way up in our mm -hmm. organization or go in somewhere else, work your way up to that level and then come across to us. 
And there has to be this sense of the next generation getting training in the organization and out of the organization. The Celts in Ireland, in prehistoric times in Ireland, they had this fantastic uh, tradition and the fantastic structure of fosterage, where the different clans would have their kind of the equivalent of royalty. They'd have their noble people and everything like that. But the kids of the noble people in the clans, males and females, when they reached about 13, 14 years of age, they would have been brought up in the traditions of the clan and they would learn everything as kids within the clan. But at 13, 14, they would be sent off to another clan, to another village and another family. And there they would spend the next four or five years being trained by that family in things like law, farming, music, dance, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they would have that information, which they would learn there and then return back to their own clan with that information. So they have the knowledge of their clan and they have the experience of being in another clan yeah. to make their clans stronger. Uh, now, obviously, I've, as I said, I have a 14 year old daughter and I have 11 year old daughter. The idea of sending them away for a couple of years is really appealing. I understand that. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's actually the reciprocal nature of it and the idea of them being uh, able to learn from different places. Obviously, it would strengthen relationships between the clans. The other clan, when their kids came of age, they would go to that clan and then mm. it would be a really important part of the community and of the culture. But I think this is really important from a family business. And it's it's, again, allowing us to learn within our own organization and allowing us to get as much information as or as learning as much as we can from other organizations. And I want to bring in the corporate world here as well, because there it plays a huge role too. Either you are in a in the corporate world that has a variety of sites, different acquired businesses, whatever it is, and being able before you are being promoted to actually spend time in those different divisions and truly learning about the business crucial. But I believe mm -hmm. that it's even more important, especially due to the fact you shared, the world is changing so quickly, to be open-minded and really seek out partnerships with other organizations and run with them, learn from them. And they do the same, sending people to you is yep. vital. And then you grow together as a network. I think we, we sometimes, and some organizations do that very, very well already, but some are still in the space of, but that's competition. We can't share and so on and so forth. I, I think we, we've got to be far more open-minded here and help people see the potential of learning and the external development that you've just mentioned. Absolutely. I agree with you. You mentioned on your website that only recently you started seeing a decline in family businesses. What do you think is the reason for that? So family businesses, they've always been... Up until about 40 years ago, the term family business didn't exist because if you were in business, it was probably with your family. So there wasn't a uniqueness about being in a family business. The local stores were all the, the mom and pop kind of stores. As things are now growing and being more globalized, I think because people don't have the clear vision of the purpose and the pick, they might get overrun with the idea of in order to scale and in order to grow, we need to bring in as many external people as possible and we lose control of our organization. It becomes more of a corporate entity than a family business. Mm -hmm. I think there are plenty of family businesses that exist that have grown to be corporate structures and they've been able to manage it in a way using the strengths of the different generations to be able to grow. I think with some businesses with merging and things like that to face the globalization 
I won't say threat because I think it's more of an opportunity. They have become more corporate structures as opposed to two family businesses or two families with a business or something like that. Uh, but I still think the the vast majority of almost every country in the Western world, I mean, I'm talking about 70 to 80 percent of employment, of growth, of services and everything else is produced by family businesses or small business. It might not be considered family yet because it might be a founder, somebody who's left the corporate world or somebody who's left one family business set up for themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it's a small organization. So they haven't become a family business yet, but they have the potential. And previously, a few minutes ago, before we started talking about five Ps, you literally very quickly highlighted the journey you have been on with your parents. You mentioned, amongst yeah. other things, overcoming the challenges by having more conversations outside of the actual office space, going to a rugby match, all of these things. But, but let's be a bit more specific, because you mentioned also a few times, it's been a path, right? It took its time. And I'm pretty sure you had to apply one of your P's, and that's the fifth one, the patience. And so did they, probably. And <laughs> so, so did they. And so did they. So, yeah, share with us a little bit more in detail how this process happened and what led to the success that nowadays you can say we are moving into this multi-generational house together. Well, I think really it came back to clearly identifying the purpose. Like, what was it? What are we trying to build? What is what do we ultimately want for the family business, for the business itself? What is and from the language school point of view, it was, look, this is where it's going. Like, ultimately, the purpose of the business is to do this. But in order for us to do this, this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. And I a don't want to do these two things and I'm not going to be good at doing those two things. So we're better off actually saying, okay, we need to we need to look at joining forces with a bigger organization that actually has the interest, the ability and the capacity to grow and to scale this so as everybody's uh, looked after. So that was part of the the conversation as pulling it back more to the purpose and the, the first step of this and seeing where are we going. When that was more clearly defined and we were able to articulate that on a more, I suppose, a clearer, less fuzzy level, it became easier to understand that the best route was to to let that go and to move on to something else. There were elements that we could have taken that we, we could have spent a bit of time adjusting and changing and changing the business model and all the rest of it. But ultimately, I had done everything that I'd really wanted to do in that industry. For the for the current business, then again, it's it's looking at the vision of what we're doing and then identifying, okay, these are the strengths that I bring to it, but we also need to know what are the what are the weaknesses that I have? What are the things that I'm not good at? And these are the people that we need to start bringing into the organization uh, from external because my kids, as I said, are, are 14 and 11. They're, they're a bit young to be running the marketing department just yet. But one of the things that I'm very conscious of is as they grow, they're two very different people. My daughter's two very different people. And if either of them want to come into the business, they're going to be interested in two different facets of the business or two different mm -hmm. parts of the business. They're not going to be interested in competing for the same thing because they mm -hmm. will approach things in a different way. Uh, so one of the, the kind of thought challenges that I share with people on, uh, when I'm talking to them about this is, okay, well, what about the argument that no family member should ever join a family business? That the family business should always join the family member. 
So if you have 10 years, like before the five years bit, if my daughter's starting to come in, she's gonna have, they're gonna have to be working in the business for a couple of years before they start to say, yes, I'm definitely going to take it over. It's not going to be, right, you're coming in, taking over in five years time. What do I need to do now? What subtle changes do I need to affect in the trajectory of the business to be able to steer it in such a way that it's going to meet her with her strengths for her to be best set up for success? Yeah. Rather than trying to get her to bend and change her habits and change her personality and maybe diminish her strengths to try and strengthen some of her weaknesses to try and fit in where I think it should be going because my vision is going to be up to the couple of years that I'm still going to be involved and her vision is where she's going to take the business. And obviously they are your parents. They are a wee bit older and you mentioned before they had to kind of get used to this ever-changing world the digital world and environment, a different way of working and, and so on. And they did amazingly. And they did. And they, they still, so my father is still doing uh, career guidance sessions on Zoom, hmm. being booked in on Calendly, working remotely. So, I mean, they've adapted really well. So, for example, for the software that we've designed for the career guidance stuff, my father in particular, so he's the, it's a lot of his experience that we are distilling down into the algorithm, but how to actually convert that from his thoughts into an algorithm, that's where I was able to come in with my understanding of technology and how things work. He's also uh, very practical in how things should work. I'm much more aesthetic in how things need to look and feel and, and the user journey. So I was spending a lot of time on the user journey for the software, whereas the software, if it was left up to him, would be just a couple of ugly buttons to go click here for something and click here for something else. So there is taking into account the strengths of both people. And my mother, very detail-orientated, very process-orientated. So being able to work through a lot of the, the thinking has meant that the three of us can work really, really well together to create, uh, ultimately, this finished product. So... What did you take away from them and from the process? Because I'm pretty sure you learned a ton as well. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just, it's an understanding of, of everybody's personalities and strengths. Like it's the, the story of the cobbler's kids have no shoes. We deal in personality profiling. We deal in personalities day to day, but we didn't really pay enough attention to our own personalities and how they were causing stress and tension and everything else. Yeah. And coming away with a deeper understanding of, okay, well, my perspective is this. And because of his personality, his perspective is this. And because of her personality, her perspective is this. That's why we can't agree on anything because we're all looking at the same thing from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. How can we align everybody to be looking at the same thing in the same way, mm -hmm. agreeing on our underlying assumptions, and then we can move forward. So there's a great there's a great thing that I do with with teams for team development is actually before we start any strategic planning is we have to agree on our assumptions. What are our assumptions about the major stakeholders? And it's amazing how quickly that can align everybody afterwards to go, okay, well, I think clients are going to think this and you think clients are going to think this. So we're both working after looking after the clients, but your assumption is that they're going to try and do us out of money. My assumption is that they're trying to work with us. So we're both going to attack the problem in such vastly different ways. Once we agree on the assumptions, then we can work together really streamlined in, in the way forward. Before we come to the finish line of this conversation, can you summarize for us again, why is it so important to put a proper succession plan in place and to make sure your business is in good hands? It's important to some people. It's not important to other people. I mean, for me, it's it's hugely important. 
to me, when you're in a family business or any kind of a business, if you're the current generation, there are four things that can happen to a business when the current generation either retires, dies or whatever, or is looking at that, at getting out of the business. The business can stop. They can just go, right, I'm not working anymore. I'm a consultant. Boom. Business stops. That's it. Yeah. That happens a lot. The second one is to sell. You can sell your business. We did it with one of our businesses. Many businesses do it. There are hundreds of professional services firms that can help you to maximize that. The third one is you can survive. So survive to me is just, it's a long stop because you're putting somebody in place that isn't going to rock the boat. They're just going to keep doing things the same way as it's been done before. But the market changes, they're not adapting to the changes and over time it goes down. So survive really is just a prolonged stop. What I'm interested in is the fourth one is scale. I want to help put the right people in the right place to help your family business to grow. It can be growing from a half a million to two million. It can be growing from five million to 20 million, whatever it is that you're, I mean, not all businesses have the capacity to be doing 50 million euro a year, but not everybody wants to be running a 50 million euro business. There's a lot of other stresses and pressures that come with that. So yeah. whatever scaling means to you and being able to put the right person in the right place at the right time, that's what I want to help people with. Brilliant. So if you are a family business owner or working in a family business and you are keen to scale your business, then Stephen is the right person for you to help you there. If you want to bring your team together, grow yourself as a leader, then Stephen is also the right person to help you with this. Stephen, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show today and to listen to... Likewise, it was fun. Yeah, your, your amazing knowledge and insights and experience. However, I want you to let the audience know where can they find you. Uh, so the easiest way to find me is either on SuccessfulSuccession.com uh, or if you're a family business, the, the page that's on there is KillerFamilyBusiness.com and that'll give you all the information. So because I want to help families build a killer family business without killing your family. Brilliant. Loving it. Thank you so much again, Stephen. And to everybody else who has listened here today, thank you so much for listening, for joining in. As always, please do let us know if we can be of any help and support. And we will obviously be sharing the links as well in the show notes. Have a lovely week. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.